Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. A fuel supply company warning about diesel shortages in the United States, issuing a code red for one region. This while a top oil CEO warns that supplies will be tight this winter. The final gubernatorial debate heated up in Georgia on Sunday. Abortion was the main focus of the discussion. Other hot topics included gun violence and voter access. And with elections just around the corner, Republican challenger Joe O'Day and Democratic Senator Michael Bennett squared off in a feisty debate. The Supreme Court will be reviewing a lawsuit brought against Harvard and the University of North Carolina, and the future of affirmative action in higher education may be in the balance. A major fuel supply company has issued an alert about diesel fuel shortages. It says conditions are rapidly devolving in the United States. Entity's Jessica Beatty has more. Fuel supply company Mansfield Energy issued an alert last week saying several states in the southeast are expected to see diesel shortages. The company said poor pipeline shipping economics and historically low diesel inventories are combining to cause shortages in various markets throughout the southeast. It says fuel carriers now have to go to multiple terminals to find supply, which delays deliveries and strains local trucking capacity. It issued an alert level four due to what it called rapidly devolving conditions. For the Southeast, it issued a code red. Most shipping across the U.S. relies on diesel. That includes long haul trucks and freight trains. Energy Information Administration data shows that diesel stockpiles are at their lowest level since 2008. Biden economic advisor Brian Deese told Bloomberg recently that current diesel levels are unacceptably low. He said all options are on the table to increase supplies. Meanwhile, Chevron chairman and CEO Michael Wirth is warning that the diesel market will stay tight into the winter. He said it during the third quarter earnings call. Some Russian imports will start being banned in the first quarter of next year. That could make the situation worse. There are two reasons the diesel market is so tight, according to Dan Kish. He's the senior vice president of the American Energy Alliance. He told the Epic Times one reason is that consumers chose to travel less because of high gas prices. In other words, instead of driving to the store, they had items delivered, which increased diesel demand. Another reason, refining capacity is dropping because more refineries are closing. Kish also expects the winter to be harsh for Northeasterners who rely on heating oil to heat their homes. He warned winter is going to be very tough, especially for the Northeast. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. From energy to the midterm election in Pennsylvania, nearly 250,000 unverified voters are receiving mail-in ballots. The Pennsylvania Department of State has a process where people vote first and verify their identification later. They've also made individual counties responsible for verifying IDs. Counties must separate non-verified ballots from verified ones and count the non-verified ones later once the voter's identification is confirmed. Pennsylvania State Representative Frank Ryan told the Epic Times that the counties are not always careful. He said, quote, some county election offices have explained that they unlawfully fix the applications without contacting the applicant, override the system, and verify applicants without securing the legally required verification information, or simply ignore the non-verified record designation. 
Heading to the southeast, the final gubernatorial debate heated up in Georgia on Sunday. Incumbent Republican Governor Brian Kemp emphasized that he values life, while challenger Stacey Abrams said abortion is an issue for a woman and a doctor, not politicians. Here's Entity's Cost Temenes with more. Abortion took center stage at the gubernatorial debate in Georgia. Georgia state law bans abortion after a fetal heartbeat is detected, usually around six weeks. We are a state that values life. I understand people disagree on when that issue uh, may be comfortable for them or not. Uh, they've known my position for 10 years, and I've been honest and transparent with them. Exceptions are made in case of danger to the mother's life and for rape and incest that is reported to the police. Democratic candidate Stacey Abrams responded by saying that abortion is a medical decision. It is a decision that should be made between a doctor and a woman. It should only be a doctor and a woman, not a politician who makes this decision. Women are not going to be prosecuted under this piece of legislation. Doctors that f perform illegal abortions would be. Other hot topics in the discussion included gun-related violence and voter access. The two candidates found common ground. They both said they would concede if they lost the election. Georgia is a top takeover target for Republicans, who need to pick up just one seat to gain control of the Senate. Cost MNS, NTD News. Staying on elections, the two candidates vying for a Colorado Senate seat held their final debate on Friday, with each side making the case for their election. NTD's Daniel Monahan has more. Michael Bennett's been Republican Senate challenger Joe O'Day is taking on incumbent Democratic Senator Michael Bennett, who has served in the Senate for 13 years. O'Day has tied Bennett to Joe Biden and the current inflation problems. A moderator asked Bennett what he disagreed with Biden on. I think he made a serious mistake going to Saudi Arabia, and I said before he went there that he shouldn't go to Saudi Arabia. Bennett also said Biden made a serious mistake lifting Title 42. That allows the U.S. Border Patrol to prohibit the entry of persons who potentially pose a health risk. Trump began enforcing it during the COVID epidemic to reduce illegal immigration. On what inspired him to run, O'Day had this to say. Well, I, I started thinking about Joe Biden serving another four years and you serving another six years, and I got to tell you, it's terrifying. And on the economy and the Inflation Reduction Act? Our economy can't take another six years of a rubber stamp for a spender that just blesses everything that comes across his desk, spends money hand over fist. Right. When asked by the moderator if the Inflation Reduction Act misled the American people as it does not reduce inflation, Bennett discussed what he sees as the positives. It would cap drug prices for seniors at $2,000 in Colorado. It would require Medicare for the first time in American history to negotiate drug prices on behalf of the American people. And it caps insulin at $35 a month. On the border, O'Day admonished Bennett for not doing a better job over his 13 years in the Senate. They need help with securing the border. That's where the fentanyl is coming from. It's coming straight up I-25. Republicans are optimistic of seizing control of the U.S. House of Representatives and possibly even the Senate. Both are currently narrowly controlled by Democrats. Bennett is ahead in the polls, but O'Day is hoping to ride this rising tide of support for Republican candidates in many parts of the country. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. 
Moving on from issues to voting itself, a civil rights group is asking the Supreme Court to review a provision of the Mississippi Constitution. Section 241 of the state constitution permanently bans voting for certain types of felons. The petitioners are Mississippi residents. One was convicted of forgery. Another is a former Columbus City Council member who was convicted of embezzlement. Both have completed their sentences. The Mississippi Center for Justice is representing the men. It says certain crimes were put in the state's constitution in order to prevent black people from voting. However, a federal district court upheld the voting ban in the constitution, saying that the discriminatory parts were dropped as the document underwent changes. However, the court acknowledged that the original intent of the provision was to prevent voting among African Americans. Back to politics, Arizona candidate for governor Carrie Lake is lending a helping hand to other Republican candidates, giving out endorsements this weekend to Pennsylvania's Doug Mastriano and Michigan's Tudor Dixon. This despite still being in the trenches of an election battle of her own in Arizona. Entity's Daniel Monahan has more. Hey, Michigan, it's... A first-time candidate giving out endorsements before even having won her own race is not an ordinary course of behavior. But Carrie Lake is no ordinary candidate. She rocketed to national prominence by focusing on hot-button issues, issues on the minds of conservative voters. I guess we're dangerous to their plan if their plan is to poison our children's mind, if their plan is to close our churches down, if their plan is to shut our businesses down, force a shot on us against our will. I guess we're dangerous because we're going to fight back for our freedoms. We're going to fight back for our rights. Lake has also become a regular on conservative news outlets, and her name is being mentioned in talks of the 2024 presidential election. In her endorsement for Doug Mastriano, Lake said that America is in need of strong governors like Ron DeSantis and Kristi Noem. And I know that with America First governors like myself and Doug Mastriano added to the list, we can strengthen our states and pull back power from the federal government. Some have blamed the rise of Carrie Lake on the Democratic Party itself. They gambled that what they considered her extremism would make her too weak to win a general election. As Lake's lead in the Republican primary shrank, they sent out a mass email campaign. The email painted her more moderate Republican rival Karen Taylor Robeson as an insider, citing her past donations to Democratic candidates. The strategy appears to have backfired, with Lake now leading in the polls. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. One of Colorado's top lawmakers died suddenly of a heart attack yesterday. 55-year-old Hugh McKean was a Republican and the Colorado House Minority Leader. He was running unopposed for his fourth term in office. The Democratic governor of Colorado said he, quote, cared deeply for his constituents, always had time for a conversation or a laugh. The state Senate Republican leader said, quote, he never made politics personal with his sincere nature and honest approach. He taught everyone what it means to be a statesman. The future of affirmative action in higher education is on the table today. The Supreme Court will be reviewing a lawsuit brought against Harvard and the University of North Carolina. The lawsuit has been filed in support of students allegedly denied entry to Harvard based on their Asian heritage. Swan Lee has been fighting for equal rights for Asian Americans for eight years. She argues that Harvard discriminates against Asian Americans for admissions and employment. She says Asian Americans are marked down on personality ratings and have to meet higher standards for admission than other races. At a rally at Harvard, Lee argued that this is racial discrimination and profiling. 
the best way to stop racial discrimination is to stop discriminating based on race. That is what the Supreme Court Justice John Roberts said. Uh, we have a majority of Supreme Court justices that believe in constitutional rights of each citizen, that believe in racial equality, believe in equal consideration of citizens regardless of race. Carolyn Coloruso is running for Congress in Massachusetts' 5th District. She says she thinks the Supreme Court will weigh in their favour, and she says she believes people should be treated equally. When you prepare for your test and you score well, that you gain entrance. And that's been the system forever, but politicians always trying to leverage race, always trying to, say, put one group in front of another. We have to have equality under the law for everybody. Christopher Scarpino, an educator at Brandeis University, says he's committed to finding students with vision, drive and ability. He says if admissions are politicised, entrants won't be selected upon merit and may not be able to handle the difficulty of engineering and physics. Scarpino offered a story on how he views his role as a teacher. One day a famous Russian mathematician got a knock on the door and when he opened the door there was a small boy there. Told him, the boy told him who he was and what he had done in math. He was a math prodigy. And the mathematician looked down at him and said, I've been waiting for you for a long time. I just didn't know what your name was. Scarpino says gaining entrance on anything other than merit would lead less capable entrants to drop out or lead the university to be more lenient on these students. He says it could even lead to a lowering of teaching standards. Flinders Kingsley, NTD News. President Larry Bacow of Harvard says considering race in admissions produces a more diverse student body, which strengthens the learning environment. He also believes no persuasive evidence has been produced since the last two federal court decisions ruling in Harvard's favor. And in other news, actor couple Kevin and Sam Sorbo are known for playing the Greek hero Hercules and his wife, protecting the weak from evil forces. In real life, together they are fighting for traditional values. And today's Angela Moy has the story. Actor Kevin Sorbo and his wife, actress Sam Sorbo, are speaking out about modern culture. Kevin Sorbo shared his experience of cancel culture in Hollywood in an interview at an Illinois Family Institute's event on October 28th. They virtually booted me out of Hollywood. They just said, you know, being a Christian and a conservative is like the equal to being a double leper, I guess, in Hollywood, where they want nothing to do with you. He says Hollywood is responsible for influencing violence in America. Every time there's a horrific uh, shooting somewhere, all these A-list actors come out and say, we got to get rid of guns. These are the same people that do movies where they killed 100 people with guns. You know, their, their violence is unbelievable. Sam Sorbo says schools took God out of education. Instead, she says, schools indoctrinate kids with modern ideas, turning them against their parents. The parents have already abdicated their authority. When the child comes home demonstrating against the parent, rebelling, who wins? The school. Sam Sorbo urges parents to take their kids out of public schools. She says it's not the parents' job to teach kids everything, but instead to teach how learning happens. She wrote a workbook to guide parents with her experience in educating her three kids at home. Representative Mary Miller praised the couple, an Illinois Family Institute, a Christian organization. The speakers were fantastic. Illinois Family Institute is doing such good work here in Illinois, standing up for our values, the things that made our country great, faith, family, freedom, community, rule of law, and the truths that we find in the Bible. Since leaving Hollywood, Kevin and Sam started their own production company, Sorbo Studios, focused on content that fits their values. 
Reporting by Angela Moy, NTD News, Chicago. The oldest detainee at Guantanamo Bay Detention Camp has been released after 17 years with no charges. He was repatriated to Pakistan. The 75-year-old was said to have provided substantive financial support to the al-Qaeda terrorist group and the Taliban in the immediate aftermath of the September 11th attacks. He was also alleged to have been in contact with prominent terrorists, including Osama bin Laden and Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. His son was found guilty of laundering $200,000 for al-Qaeda. According to the Pentagon, 35 detainees remain at Guantanamo Bay. And a disturbing warning for parents taking their kids out trick-or-treating tonight. We hear more from a former special agent with ICE about what could be a life-or-death situation. Joining us now is Victor Avila, a retired special agent with U.S. Immigrations and Customs Enforcement. He was part of the principal investigative arm of the Department of Homeland Security. Thank you for making the time today, Victor. Glad to be back with you, Kevin. Thank you. The DEA is warning parents to be aware of what's in their children's trick-or-treat candy. Some law enforcement officers have found fentanyl laced on candy boxes. First, how widespread is this? Is it limited to just Florida, where authorities have seized about 85 pounds of the deadly synthetic opioid in the last month? Or is this elsewhere, too, like in Texas? This is not just in the border towns, not just in Florida, but this is throughout the United States. There have been uh, tremendous seizures in Arizona in Portland, in Wisconsin, in New York, uh, upstate California, everywhere in the United States. Well, now with these rainbow-colored and uh, candy-like looking counterfeit uh, fentanyl pills, it is attracting uh, and targeting children. So sad that children are now being targeted. What can parents do? Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody is telling parents to inspect candy and throw away any that has been tampered with. Uh, you must check this candy. This is not like other times where um, candy might be tampered with for other reasons. This is a deadly drug, uh, a, a poison that can be put in candy like Nerds, Skittles. And if you inspect this candy, you will be able to notice that in fact some of this is counterfeit and it does not look right. Even if it's in the packaging, that's what's most dangerous. That some of this drug, some of these drugs might actually be an actual packaging. So is the, is the package tampered? Is the package damaged? Uh, you must be very diligent because this is a life or death situation for many. Is there any way to hold perpetrators accountable? Can law enforcement do anything other than issue warnings like sting operations or anything? Um, maybe not preventative, but it's important that in fact, if you do notice as a parent uh, uh, some kind of a strange drug, notify. The law, your local law enforcement. Do not keep it. Do not say anything. Notify them because we must try to get to the source of where these pills are coming. We know that they're coming from the southern border through the cartels, but there's a distribution network that these cartels have throughout the United States in every community with, where, where they're present and they're making their way. And so it's important to notify law enforcement immediately. And yes, the awareness is a big factor. Let your friends and neighbors know that might not know about the dangers of fentanyl. Let them know. Let your neighbors know that uh, this is a possibility. Thank you so much for bringing awareness to this. Victor Avila, retired special agent with U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Always a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. Coming up, President Bolsonaro lost the presidential election in Brazil. Lula is now set to take over the presidency, which aligns with a left-leaning push in Latin America in recent years. 
And Denmark is set to head to the polls November 1st. The Danish Prime Minister's decision to cull the mink population during the COVID-19 pandemic threatens her party's standing. We'll have more in just a moment here on NTD News Today. Welcome back. Brazil is set to be governed by a new president in January. Last night, Lula da Silva defeated President Jair Bolsonaro in an extremely tight race. Brazil's left-leaning candidate, Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, better known as Lula, defeated conservative incumbent President Jair Bolsonaro by a narrow margin of 50.9% versus 49.1%. Lula, a former two-term president of Brazil, is set to return to the role in January. Before the elections, Bolsonaro talked about possible fraud that might take place in the electoral process. Last night, Lula pointed out that Bolsonaro didn't concede yet. The defeated president should have called me to recognize my victory. Until now, he hasn't called. I don't know if he will call and also if he will concede. Bolsonaro reportedly hasn't spoken about the result publicly yet. Chinese Communist Party leader Xi Jinping congratulated Lula for his win, saying he wants to work with Lula long-term to jointly plan and promote to a new level the comprehensive strategic partnership between China and Brazil. The Chinese Foreign Ministry also commented on the result. China sincerely congratulates Mr. Lula on his re-election as president of Brazil. President Biden tweeted, I send my congratulations to Luis Inácio Lula da Silva on his election to be the next president of Brazil following free, fair and credible elections. The heads of state of France, the UK, Ireland, India and more also congratulated the president-elect. Lula supporters were celebrating in the streets during the vote count and in the hours after, celebrating the end of Bolsonaro's government. I'm so excited. I'm so happy. Thank God this hell will pass. Lula's win aligns with a left-leaning push in Latin America. Various countries like Colombia, Chile and Argentina elected left-leaning heads of states in recent years. 77-year-old Lula is scheduled to be inaugurated on January 1st. Denmark is heading to the polls on November 1st. The Danish prime minister ordered the country to wipe out their mink population during the pandemic. Now it threatens to dent the standing of her party, the Social Democrats. And today's Andrew Thomas has more. Danish Prime Minister Met Frederiksen's government culled up to 17 million healthy minks at the height of the pandemic. It was to protect humans from a mutation of the virus. The decision stirred controversy. The government's November 2020 order gave farmers just weeks to cull their animals. I went back to my husband and said to him, they're closing us down. All our breeders, all our animals are going down. And as I tell you this, I can feel it in my body. You know, I'm starting shaking. I can feel that I'm out of breath. Before the coal, Denmark was one of the world's main mink fur exporters, producing an estimated 17 million furs per year. In early October, Fredriksen was forced into calling a snap election seven months ahead of the end of her term in office. Now, I don't trust anyone. And now we have this vote. And I have got my note here yesterday, you know, where I can go and, and make my, my vote. And I, I think, of course, I need to do it. But I actually don't know if I want to do it because why? It doesn't help anyway. 
Fredriksson became Denmark's youngest prime minister when she took office at age 41. She reached out to other political parties to help steer the Scandinavian country through the pandemic. I think people trust her because she brought us through the COVID crisis. We came out with the strongest economy, I think, of all of Europe. We had a very low unemployment. We had the highest growth in 15 years. So I think that leadership has really strengthened her. Of course, uh, a problem like this one is not good for anyone. The early parliamentary election will take place on November 1st. Many Danes are focused on topics like health care, security, inflation, and rising energy costs. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. That's all for today's program. We're really glad to have you with us. Please send us an email if you'd like to tell us something. We're going to put it on screen. For podcasters, that's news.today at ntd.com. I'm Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City.